0: I hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Well, we've just finished up a series that we've been doing called Get Ready. And as you heard in the notices, next week we are going to be filling the old holy spa pool and um, doing the baptism. So that's very exciting, very, very exciting. And uh, because we had the series last week and then we've got baptisms next week, we didn't want to quite launch into a new series this Sunday, which means that I had the opportunity to pick whatever I wanted to preach on, which is pretty exciting. So I've had a message that's been sort of sitting on my heart for a few weeks now, and it's a message that has been really meaningful to me. And I hope that as I share it tonight, that it is a message that will be meaningful to you as well. Before we get into that, we take a moment to close your eyes with me. Let's bow our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet us tonight. So Lord, we give you this time. We thank you for your word. The way that it frees us. The way that it inspires us. The way that it helps us to see new things. And Lord, I pray tonight as we open your word, I pray that you would uh, cause the truth to unfold. That it would uh, be something that we hear and that it marks us. That it transforms us. And Lord, as always, we pray that you would come and help us see what we could not see before. We love you tonight, Lord. And we say, you are welcome. Come and minister to hearts in this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Jesus once said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes That it may bear more fruit. A long time ago, there was a young man named Simon. Now, Simon was the kind of guy whose hands were kind of rough and calloused, and he was kind of the guy that had the look of somebody that probably spent a little too much time out in the sun. He probably would remind you of some of the sort of the rough and tough, sort of working-class farmers and tradies that some of you guys might know in your life. Uh, except for the fact that when you were around Simon, you'd probably notice that he seemed to always smell like fish. And that's because Simon was a fisherman. Or at least he was, until he met the most interesting man he would ever meet. This man was a teacher, a rabbi. He also happened to be the uncreated God in flesh. It just took Simon a little while to work that out. But he got there eventually, and he became part of the inner circle of this rabbi's followers. And the first words of this rabbi, this Jesus of Nazareth, to Simon were, follow me. And so Simon did. Jesus went around the land and taught the crowds, and Simon went too. Jesus walked on water, and Simon walked too. Jesus said, I'm the door, and Simon went through. Simon said, you are the Christ. Yes, I'm sure it is true. Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter. To build my church, I will use you. And so, Simon became Peter. No longer a simple fisherman, but a transformed fisher of men. And everything seemed to be moving forward for Peter. He was seeing the sick healed. He was seeing stormy seas stilled. And he was seeing multitudes of people fed by a basket of fish and loaves. He had seen the glory of God on top of the mount. And he knew without a doubt that Jesus was the promised Christ, the Messiah who would finally set Israel free from her enemies. But then Jesus came to him and shared something rather troubling. Peter was told that Jesus was going to be betrayed and put to death. Peter says, insisted. He said, I will never betray you. He said, If you must die, I will die. Everyone else could betray you, but I will stay faithful. But Jesus has told him, unfortunately, Peter would deny him not once, not twice, but three times. The next day, Peter's beloved teacher and friend Jesus was arrested and crucified on a Roman's cross, and just as was foretold, Peter denied even knowing him three times. And just like that, everything that Peter had hoped for and everything that Peter was confident was true came crashing down into a thousand pieces. He had put all of his hopes and his dreams into this man. He had given up everything to follow him. And now here Jesus was, bleeding and gasping on a cross. Can you imagine what was going through Peter's head in that moment? How could this have happened? He can't die. He's the Messiah. Unless... unless, Unless we were wrong. But no, we couldn't be wrong. I saw those miracles. I walked on water with him. I saw him do all those things. He said that I was his rock, that he would build his church on me. But now, I've denied him. I betrayed him, just like he said I would. Boy, he sure saw right through me. I'm no rock, I'm not even a good friend. I'm just a coward. Peter had gone from feeling like he was marching forward into his calling and suddenly he found himself in a place where everything he thought was true was now in question. Life had been going well and all of a sudden it seemed like everything around him was crumbling and he didn't know what to think or what to feel. And if the story ended there, it would be a pretty sad story. But the story didn't end there. And even though in that moment Peter felt like he was lost in the dark, God knew that the sunshine was not that far off. What Peter didn't realize was that he was experiencing something that Jesus had promised that all of his followers would experience at some point. Jesus had once described himself as the true vine, and that his followers were like fruitful branches, and it just so happened that Peter, in this moment, was being pruned. And although it felt pretty stink, it wasn't a punishment for Peter. It was actually a promotion. We're going to explore the topic of pruning tonight. And as we do, we're going to take a look at three different questions around pruning. The first one is, why does God prune us? The second one is, how do I know if I am in a season of pruning? And the third one is, how should I then live in a season of pruning? And it's my hope tonight that as we take a look at what it means for us to be pruned and why God prunes us, that you will begin to see that some of the difficult things that we face in this life can actually be uh, a doorway into greater depth and closeness with God if we will allow them to. That's quite bad, eh? (laughs) I hope tonight that you will see that if you trust that pruning is a sign of God's care, then you won't quit pursuing Him when life feels unfair. So if you got your Bible with you tonight, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 15. So, why does God prune us? Well, if you look at verse 1, you'll see that it reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit... For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is trying to describe here is this picture of what our relationship with him is meant to look like. And grapevines were really common in Israel in those days. In fact, it's possible that even as he was saying this to his disciples, that they were looking at some grapevines. And so they would have totally understood this picture. And there's three different sort of people represented in this picture. There's Jesus, the true vine, who's the source of life for the whole plant. There's the father, who's described as the vine dresser, who looks after and cares for the plant. And then there's the branches. That's you and me. So let me ask you this. What is the purpose of having a grapevine? I mean, why would you want one? Grapes, yes, of course. You have a grapevine so that you can get some grapes. So if your grapevine produces grapes, well, then you can enjoy a sweet treat. You might even get some wine out of it. The purpose of the plant is to produce fruit so that you and others can enjoy it. So God the Father has planted a vineyard called earth. He's planted his son, the true vine, in that vineyard and that vine is the source of life for all the branches why so that we can produce fruit that the father and others can enjoy if the branch is connected to the vine then it will flourish and produce fruit if a branch is not connected to the vine it will immediately begin to wither and die So we, as the branches, are dependent on Jesus the vine to give us life. When we are connected to him, we will flourish and we will produce fruit. When we are disconnected from him, we will wither and produce nothing. But as anyone who has ever cared for a vineyard before would know, it's not just as simple as planting the vine out in the vineyard and then just leaving it to its own devices. Now, if you want fruit, you're going to have to take good care of that vine. Which brings us to our question of why does God prune us? God prunes us because it is an essential part of caring for the vine. Pruning makes the vine more healthy by removing some of the dead wood that can harbor disease and decay that could actually threaten the life of the whole plant. And you know, I remember a season of pruning that the Lord took me on when we first moved to Christchurch. So the Lord had spoken quite dramatically and moved in some big ways to get Sarah and I to move here. And then we pack up all our stuff, we get here, and for the better part of three years, God is mostly silent. Why am I here, God? Silence. Why are you not opening doors for me, God? Silence. God, I need you to speak to me. Silence. Okay, I'm starting to feel pretty mad at you, God. Silence. What's your problem, God? Don't you care about me? Aren't you noticing that my life is hard and I'm hurting over here and I miss my family and driving on the left-hand side of the road is hard and, and I hate my job? And why aren't you doing anything to help me? Silence. And slowly over the course of that season of God's silence, but not his absence, I began to see that there were actually a number of my areas or a number of areas of my life where, if I was honest, I didn't trust God that much. There were some areas of my faith that were about two centimeters deep. Because how many of you know it's a whole lot easier to have faith and to trust God when everything in your world is going well, but it's a whole different story to try to trust God and love God when everything's gone to custard, and you've got to fight just to hold on to believing that God is good when everything in you says otherwise. It was a season in my life where God allowed me to suffer losses of various kinds And not immediately rescue me from them. Because that is precisely what allowed me to see clearly what I could not see before. It allowed me to see that when it came down to it, I was trying to extract quite a bit of my happiness and my sense of worth from whether or not the people around me thought I was successful. Thank God he saved me from that. It allowed me to see that my faith was mostly conditional. God, I'll follow you as long as you bless me and keep me happy. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But my friends, that's not love. That's a transaction. And God has something so much better for us. Through that season, I learned to let go of some wrong ideas that I had about God and some wrong ideas I had about myself. And I also learned that it's okay to still trust God even when my life is not going the way that I would like it to go. I learned that His silence is not a sign of His absence, but a sign of His instruction. We need seasons of pruning in our life because through them God will remove the things that will rob us and steal our joy in the long term. And just as a grapevine when pruned will go on to produce more fruit than it would have ever produced had it not been pruned, God will also prune away even seemingly good things from your life in order to make way for greater and more abundant fruit. In the pruning, God will help us to discover what it means to love deeper and to love truer than we could have ever thought possible. And if you can believe that, then you might just discover that the God who prunes your life really does have your best interests at heart. After all, if you trust that pruning is a sign of God's care, then you won't quit pursuing him when life feels unfair. So then if pruning is something that God takes all of us through at some point, then the question you might ask is, well, how do I know if I'm in a season of pruning right now? And the answer is easy. loss. When you look at a plant or a tree or one of those weird giant hedge things that you guys have out on your farms around here, when you look at one of those hedge things, they're weird, I've never seen that before, I moved here. Um, When you look at one of those hedge things, you don't have to wonder if it's been pruned. You can see it. You can see where the branches have been chopped. You know exactly where that hedge got trimmed. And in the same way, when you are entering a season of pruning, you can clearly see what has been trimmed away. It's, it's clear. There's loss. And that loss can take many forms, big and small. It could be a loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of impact, loss of status, loss of opportunity or freedom, loss of sleep. That happens a lot when you become a parent. There's loss, there's loss, there's loss. It's the feeling you have when life was going one way, and now all of a sudden it feels like everything's been stripped away, and you're feeling sore, and you're feeling vulnerable, and you're feeling exposed. You know you are in a season of pruning when you lose something. And it's not so much the actual circumstances that sort of defines a season of pruning, but more about the way that those circumstances affect you. You know, some people have hard things that happen to them that doesn't put them into an emotional tailspin. You know, last year, we all went through the lockdowns together, right? Hopefully, you followed the rules. (laughs) So we all went through that. Some people probably even a little bit if they're honest enjoyed it It might have been a little inconvenient but they got to stay home and and didn't have to go out so all the introverts yeah you guys are smiling right there the introverts right there (laughs) it was awesome but for other people the lockdown was really hard and for some it could have even been a little bit traumatic and so difficult circumstances don't necessarily equal a season of pruning Rather, you know you're in a season of pruning where your circumstances affect you deeply and emotionally it feels like the engine's on fire and you don't have control of this thing and you are going to crash soon if something drastic doesn't happen. It's fun times. You know what the worst thing about being in a season of pruning is? Being around happy people that are not in a season of pruning. Pruning. You know, you're just like, can you please go be happy somewhere else? Go find some other happy people and frolic. But there's good news about the season of pruning. And the good news is this. It doesn't last forever. And if you will give yourself to it and commit to finding God amongst it, then you might actually just discover that your most difficult seasons are the place where the keys to your greatest victories are forged. After all, there's no gain without pain and no rock ever got smooth without a little friction. I know y'all want to be smooth. So if you know you're in a season of pruning because you're experiencing some loss, well, then that brings us to our last question this evening. How should I live when I'm in a season of pruning? Well, I believe the season of pruning contains both a temptation as well as an invitation. The temptation in the season of pruning is to draw back. Let's go back to the story of Simon Peter. So we're jumping back in after Jesus has died and so in John chapter 21 verse 2 it says Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were with him Simon Peter said to them I'm going fishing the other disciples said to him we'll go with you of course they would, what else are they going to do they went out, got into the boat but that night they caught nothing So after Peter betrayed Jesus and watched him die, he didn't really know what to do. Perhaps he was so ashamed of himself and felt so disqualified from being Peter the Rock that he went back to the only thing that he still felt qualified to be, which was Simon the fisherman. And for us, whether it's the loss of a dream, loss of a relationship, or the loss of something or someone we really care about, Seasons of pruning can leave us questioning everything about our life. And they can leave us wondering if we really are the person that we thought we were. They can even leave us wondering if God really is who He says He is. The temptation that Peter faced, and the temptation that you and I face when we go through a season of pruning, is to draw back to the last place that we felt safe. But that is the exact opposite of the direction that God wants you to move. The season of pruning does not call you to retreat, the season of pruning calls you to refocus. Which brings us to the invitation. Peter and the other disciples are out in the boat all night long, and they don't catch a single fish. Then, just as the sun comes up, Jesus appears. On the shore, he's raised from the dead. One of the disciples works out that it's Jesus and yells, It's the Lord! And for Peter, all of the disappointment and the longing of the last several days melts away as he looks upon the love he had been so certain he had lost. Peter leaps out of the boat and swims to the shore because rowing simply would not get him there fast enough be reunited with his Lord. I love that. Look what happens in verse 15. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him. And this, my friends, is the key point that everything we are talking about tonight hangs on. The invitation of the season of pruning is not to agonize over the big existential questions of why God allows this or why God allows that. It is not a time to try to figure out the complexities of faith. It is instead an invitation to get back to the simplicity of what got you in in the first place. It is an invitation to come back to love. You see, if God hadn't pruned Peter, then Peter would have tried to carry out the future mission of the kingdom out of his own strength and out of some misguided belief that he was somehow more special and more fit to lead people because after all, Jesus called him the rock, didn't he? But because Peter had been pruned, he now would lead out of the only thing that has ever qualified any of the other countless men and women throughout history who have ever tried to do something for the kingdom of God. And that, my friends, is, always has been, and always will be, love. Love is what qualifies us to lead. Love is what beckons us to draw near to him. And love is what makes every valley and every mountain season of your life worth going through. Love is what motivates God to prune you. He prunes you because he cares for you. And if you trust that pruning is a sign of God's care, then you won't quit pursuing him when life feels unfair. Would you guys stand with me? I want to give an invitation for you tonight. It's the same invitation that Jesus gave to Peter on the shore by the water all those years, uh, years ago. It's an invitation to come back to love. Maybe you're here tonight and you're realizing that you are in a pruning season. Maybe you've experienced some loss, some heartbreak, And you haven't really known what to do, and maybe God feels really far away. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you are or you have been in a season of pruning, but instead of moving closer to God, you've actually drawn back to that last place that made you feel safe. But you're realizing it's not a place of safety. It's actually a prison where the bars are made of fear. And it is keeping you from being who God made you to be. And tonight, if either of those are you, then I want to tell you tonight that it's time to come back to love. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to draw back. He's here. And he wants you to come close. So I want to give you some space to do business with God tonight. So I'm just going to take a moment and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us tonight and to speak to us and to show us the truth because we need His light. So would you close your eyes and just hold out your hands just like you're receiving a gift. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We welcome you here. Come and speak to us now. What is it that you want us to lay down, God? Where have we allowed fear to determine the place where we put our steps? God, we don't want to trust you just when things are going well. We want to know that you're good all the time, in every season, in the good things and in the bad things. We know you don't change. So help us to see that tonight. Lord, I pray for those who are finding themselves in a season of pruning. Or those who are experiencing losses. Big losses, small losses everything in between it's hard God it's hard I pray that you would come as the comforter tonight Holy Spirit pray that you would come and remind us of your goodness and remind us that even when we're walking in the dark we're walking with you we're not alone Lord, I pray that you would give us a vision for what pruning accomplishes in our lives. You'd give us a vision to see that it leads us deeper into love. That we don't have to come out of it bitter, we can come out of it better. All we have to do is trust you. Lord, the first words you spoke to Peter were, follow me. And the very last words that you spoke to him were, follow me. Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow you tonight. Through every valley, through every mountain, we entrust our journey to you tonight. And Lord, as we go back into this last song, I pray that you would... Uh, move in hearts. Lord, that as they hear the words of this song singing over them, Lord, may it be a declaration of the way that you keep us, that we're safe in your arms.